Hello, Oyster Bay, and welcome to episode two of the Oyster Bay Arena, the podcast that's all about our hamlet of Oyster Bay. It's a great day today here. I hope whatever day you're listening to this is a great day for you, wherever you are. Uh, I'd like to initially apologize about the delay in getting this episode out. I know last week I said once a week with a caveat. I did not expect to have to use the caveat so quickly, but uh, I've been on the road for work and producing a podcast or making your way through airports and work meetings is a little hairy, but here we are. Uh, so lots going on in Oyster Bay these days. Those with kids know that baseball and soccer seasons have kicked in in a big way. People, I think, are beginning to come out of their winter shells and start thinking about summer, or at least they're starting to think about thinking about summer. Crocuses popping up everywhere. And in another annual sign of spring, people are fighting about opting out of the state tests on the Facebook parent group. People must be feeling feisty after being stuck in the house all winter. Um, I'm married to an educator. I know a lot of teachers. Uh, and educators. So I'm going to be putting together an episode that will drill down into the opt-out movement, what it is, how it came about, why it's big in some districts and not others, that kind of thing. Not a polemic, just uh, informational. Folks can make up their own mind. Um, it'll be too late to use it, use the information I provide this year if you're on the fence about opting out your kid. But hopefully down the road, some of the information presented will be of use to you when you're making a decision next year. Um, the one thing I've seen from reading a lot of the comments is there's, and doing some research, um, objective research, I might add. I don't, I don't really had, didn't really have an opinion when I started this. Um, well, maybe a little opinion, but there are a lot of mis myths, misconceptions out there that, Maybe we can dispel some of that, shed some light on it. Anyway, stay tuned for that one. It's coming up soon-ish. <laughs> um, so before we get into this week's interview, um, I wanted to thank you and, and say that the response to our first episode with Danny Rivera was really good. Uh, we got a ton of downloads. I don't know if it was the guest. Danny is a very interesting fellow or the subject matter. Maybe scuba diving, also very interesting. Submarines and Bayville and so on. Um, but either way, or maybe it's the fact of the podcast itself, right? I mean, local podcast, local issues, whatever it is. Thank you for listening and downloading the episode. Tell your friends. It's a great thing to do. Tell all your friends there's now a podcast about Oyster Bay. Um, they may enjoy it more people that listen, uh, the more ideas I get for topics, the more guests I can get, and the thing will just sort of grow itself. That's my hope anyways. And hopefully you find this week's guest equally as interesting as Danny was last week. Um, I had the good fortune to sit down with Bobby Rika. He is the owner, um, sensei, head teacher, what, whatever you want to call it, of um, Oyster Bay Family Karate. Um, Bobby has a an interesting story to tell, great approach to teaching the martial arts and fitness in general. We talk about uh, his philosophy, how you teach kids and adults uh, versions of the same thing, 
um, how you uh, instill confidence in people for whom confidence is an issue, um, how you motivate people to put their best foot forward. We also talk about uh, diet and fitness in general. And Bobby shares some of his stories from teaching students over these last seven years in Oyster Bay and uh, talks about his own journey in the martial arts. Um, Bobby's been practicing martial arts since 2001. Uh, he has a black belt in Shotokan karate. He's also studied Taekwondo and Yamani Ryu. Uh, that's a weapons form of martial art. You know, the good stuff, the nunchucks, Sai, Kama, all the weapons, uh, bow staff. And he also trains in Muay Thai, which is a Thai kickboxing and, of course, regular kickboxing. Um, so confidence, self-defense, goal, achievement, discipline, perseverance, commitment. That is what they teach at Oyster Bay Family Karate. And it all flows from Bobby on down to the students. So... Without much further ado, I hope you enjoy a conversation between myself and Bobby, Rika, and I will be back after the interview for some housekeeping notes and other errata, and hope you enjoy it. Talk to you later. It's good. It's all uh, it's all new this podcasting business. But hey, it's good. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. That's right. So, uh, welcome to the Oyster Bay Arena, Bobby. Thanks for taking the time out to speak to us. My uh, pleasure. My I, pleasure. You're somebody I've wanted to talk to ever since the idea of having a podcast kind of popped into my head. Really? Uh, it's true. It's true. I I've always you know personally I've always been fascinated by the martial arts. When I was a kid, I took uh, some some Shotokan. I've always been sort of bouncing around gotcha. the outskirts of martial arts for years. And and I grew up on the um, the Saturday afternoon kung fu movies. Mm. You know all those the Chinese import. Oh uh, you know, was it with that? I think it was uh, David Carradine. Well, There's a couple other ones. There was a lot of them. There, there was, and you know, Jackie Chan was oh, the big star back then, and, crazy. and so on. And um, so, so um, you know, and, and just for the listeners, you know, my, my children have taken lessons here. One kind of came and went, and decided it wasn't for him. But uh, but my younger son Ben is still a student here, and he awesome. he really has a great time, and he's a great personality too. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank <laughs> you. We, I'll keep him. You know, we like him. <laughs> so so just before I started recording, you mm-hmm. told me that that today. Mark the actual seventh anniversary yes. uh, that you've been here in Oyster Bay yeah. under the Oyster Bay Family Karate name or the I Love Kickboxing name, or it's it's a little bit of both, and it turns out well, lucky you know seven's a lucky number also. So we started um we started with Oyster Bay Family Karate and I Love Kickboxing, and recently we changed the name. We're gonna do the signs in a little bit to the Karate Academy of Oyster Bay. Now, um, uh, some of the members actually texted me and they were like confused. They're like, are you selling the business? I'm like, no, 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 no. We're just changing the name. We're still here. We're not going anywhere. So how that came about is me and one of my friends and another friend, we all trained under this one sensei at one point. And we all split up and kind of like did our own thing. But we've always been doing the same thing. So he comes up to me about two months ago and he's like, why don't we just all do the same thing under one umbrella? And it made sense. So I was like, let's do it. So we're basically under the Karate Academy banner, and there's one in Bethpage. Um, he's the uh, owner of Bethpage, and then Larry. 
And then one is in Port Washington, which is Julian. And we all train together. Now we get an opportunity to actually just do business together because we're doing the exact same things. And the funny thing is one of them, Larry, which is uh, the owner of Bethpage, you know, I've always looked up to him when we first started training because it was just like, oh, my God, they were my role models. And I kind of like followed because I didn't really have role models because they right. were my first exposure to, uh, you know, I guess role models. And I've been following him ever since. And He's an amazing guy. Like his school, not to brag, but his school is one of the best in the country, if not second best. Wow. So, and, and what's the what's the style? Is it a specific same, si style? Yeah. We all stu studied under Shotokan. So if you guys don't know like different styles, there's a lot of different style that, st styles that have different, uh, I guess, uh, emphasis on things. So like Taekwondo, lots of kicking. Amazing. They're great kickers. You know, Shotokan is a more balanced art and they're known for their dyna big dynamic movements and their forms. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got into it. It was just, I was just watching one day and I was like, I want to do that. And I just, it just became a hobby and then it became a passion. And then now I own a, a facility. So, well, that's pretty great way. You know, what's the old saying? If you, uh, if you wind up doing what you love, then you oh, never really work a day in your no, life. Right. No, it is absolutely true. How long have you been uh, studying the martial arts? I've been studying the martial arts. It's got to be about close to 20 years by now. Oh, and you started with Shotokan? Yes. So I started it in, uh, it was actually a Queens school. I was in Queens, and I we, moved, we had just moved to Queens, and right across the street was a karate facility. And then one day, um, I just kind of like ventured in, and I was just like, oh, my goodness. And I was just taken back by the structure, the way the instructors are teaching, and the overall vibe. And I was like, I've got to do this. And I literally, I remember signing up the same day. I had $20 in my pocket, and I was like, how far is this going to get me? So the guy laughed at me, and he goes, he'll get you, like, your first intro in a uniform. I was like, sign me up. Let's go. <laughs> and ever since then, it's just been a great journey from then on. That's fantastic. Um, uh because, I mean, I took some Shotokan when I was a kid, and then when I moved to Williamsburg, Brooklyn in 1995, there was a very traditional Shotokan school there. I, I don't even think they had belts. They were up on um, Driggs Avenue, I think, in, in Brooklyn. And I walked in there, and it was it was a little bit more than 20 bucks at that point. Yeah. But, I, I, my, but I plunked down what I had, and I got a workout like I've never yeah. experienced in my life. And um, I thought I was in pretty good shape, but by the end of uh, an hour, I could I could barely move. It's uh, so it's a pretty it's a pretty serious art. Um, I mean, it's an Okinawan style, yes. right? Yes. So, um, so do they? teach the the weapons in Shotokan as well, like the, the nunchaku and the kama and all that they, kind of stuff? They touch base on it, but the weapons that we do is a different style. It's a very uh, special style, a very unique style. It's called Yamani Ryu. Mm. And there's the person that taught it to us, uh, Sensei Nishime, um, he, there's like two of him in like the world. like So it's not a common style. And it was, I've loved weapons because I've done karate for, at that point, I've done karate, did karate for a while. And when I started with the weapons, I was like, whoa, this is even cooler. We get to use nunchucks. Like, it was just. What's not cool about that? I know, right? It was just like, <laughs> weapons, all right, let's yeah. do this. And I started with that. One of my favorites is the bow staff, but we do the bow staff with the kids. Mm -hmm. um, once they reach a certain level, then we go to the nunchucks. Then we have um, the kama, which is like it's like a little blade with a, uh, it's like a little like a little stick with a blade on the top, so like a sickle in a way. Right. And then we do the sai. It's like a little sword. But then once they reach a certain level from black belt on, they get to use metal weapons. Mm. So they start with the wood at a certain point, like purple belt and up, and then afterwards they start to use the metal ones and they learn um, techniques but then more importantly, forms. 
And that's the most important thing. Right. Um, the forms are really beautiful to watch. If, you, if you've ever, uh, if, for anybody that's not familiar, go on YouTube and and, and Google some of these uh, or search for some of these things. It's uh, it's really uh, amazing the co- level of coordination that goes into it. And, and really, when you think of it, like things like nunchaku and the and size and I mean the history of these weapons. You know, they were mostly farm implements that exactly. Okinawan farmers would use that's to thresh exactly. grain. And and because the they were considered sort of second class Japanese citizens, yeah. they weren't allowed to have the samurai swords and so on. So uh, so they developed the art out of that. It's yeah. it's really a fascinating story. It is like the 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 weapons came about because the country didn't want the far, um the, the 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 people to have uh, weapons, so they literally took it completely out. And interesting enough, like when karate started, they only taught it to the the royals like the mm. the loyal the, the uh um the higher ups so like farmers didn't you know get a chance to do that that's when the weapons came out and that's when like karate they started just take it and learn a little bit here and there karate is basically empty hand right so when the when the weapons came about now it's just farm they just took basically the, the staff was like where you took the uh the buckets of water right across the and, back yeah, right yeah, yeah. you had that the sai was actually used to um uh, like uh, plant seeds, so they, they would just literally dig into the ground, turn it, pop a seed in, and that's it. No kidding, I, I, that I did not know. That's yeah. interesting. I yeah. I studied it because I was like, all right, these are farm farm tools. Because when I started learning it, like I always like to know the history of what I'm learning. Sure. So I really started to study more into it, and it was just like, wow, ordinary just weapons. Ordinary, I'm sorry, farm farm tools were used as weapons, and it was just like. This is even cooler. Yeah. <laughs> it just brought it to a whole level of uh, another level of coolness. So, yeah, I, I'm. I, I was looking a little bit on your your bio on the website yes. before I came in, and mm-hmm. and I, I guess you also studied some some Taekwondo. Yes. And uh, Muay Thai, which is a really interesting. Uh, um, how'd you get into that? It was very interesting. Um, well, Taekwondo we've always done because the sensei that we trained with, he had about a, a good 12, 13 years of experience in Taekwondo first. Mm-hmm. And he was also taught by a high level instructor. So like it was just it was just amazing, like the level of, uh, um, I guess, like what we learned. So he learned about 12, 13 years of Taekwondo. So when we started learning Shotokan, the kicks that we do, like it wasn't Shotokan kicks. Like as the, as the kids progress, they start learning like spinning hook kicks, jumping spinning hook kicks, like split kicks, like all these crazy Taekwondo kicks. So it's incorporated in the program. Mm. So I started learning that with the Shotokan. And the Muay Thai was very interesting. So karate and taekwondo is very linear and dynamic. It's just very straightforward techniques. And I wanted to look into another martial art that like complemented that cuz I you know I want to be a well-rounded martial art right. artist and also I I always wanted to learn other philosophies behind it. I won't learn another martial art unless I learn what it's all about, how it started. And Muay Thai was a very very interesting art. They're very traditional. And they're very humble. Everyone that I've ever met that has been either a fighter or a, a practitioner has been so humble. It totally blew my mind. And what happened was I was still in Queens and went to this place, uh, I think, by Francis Lewis. It's called Progressive Martial Arts. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. I actually took some classes there. Yeah. When I was at Queens College, um, some uh, Scream of Sticks. Yes. And uh, they have yeah, that's Kundo. funny. Uh, yeah, Jeet Kune Do. Yeah, Bruce Kundo. Lee style yeah. was there. I was taken back because I came in knowing just, uh, you know, karate and taekwondo. So I used to watch, um, you know, videos and stuff. And before, and I was like, yeah, it's just a sport. I didn't see any tradition behind it. I was blown away by 
the humbleness of the instructors, the tradition they teach, and the amount of what they teach you respect first. And it totally blew my mind because I was like, okay, I thought it was just another sport. But the, the way they had it, it, it literally got me hooked right away. And the way we do our techniques, everything is angled. So it's completely opposite mm-hmm. of karate. And I was like, okay. It's like learning all over again. So it was very interesting. But I, stu- you know, I stuck it out. And I trained there for about a good two, three years. And then it was tough back and forth from Oyster Bay. So um, what I decided to do was a friend of mine introduced me to a place in East Meadow. At the time, it was called Satan. Mm-hmm. And now they change it to Rebel, but I met the owner, humble guy, like really humble, and they basically train like fighters. And there was this one guy that really like um, we really got got connected and stuff, and we we kind of like really started practicing. And he actually comes in once in a while to train the staff. Oh, nice! So yeah. I get people to like the, the the coaches that I have to train either me or my staff. They're like high level instructors. Like this guy goes to Thailand, comes back, and. Most of the time, he tries stuff out on me first, but then you know he trains the staff. <laughs> That's fun. It is. Yeah. It, 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 it's kind of fun, and then it hurts at the yeah, same right. time. Oh. He's like, "Check this out! Check this out!" I'm like, "No, no, no, no!" But he gets to train the staff. So now the staff is getting trained by like high level instructors. So that the way they teach, it's high level. Sure. So for me, the one of my biggest philosophies is, you know, you learn from the best to be the best, so you can give your best. And one thing that I value, like one one of the biggest common cores of this, this I guess the business and me, is that I truly want to give the best I could possibly give. And I'm always trying to go above and beyond what people think I can do. Sure. And that's how it's been here for seven years. Right. Absolutely. I, and uh, so some people may not know what Muay Thai mm-hmm. really is. So it's basically a Thai kickboxing, but... You know, in Thailand, it's it's a whole sport, right? There's mm-hmm. rings, there's yep. there's classifications, there's there's you know, there's even age groups. They have kids groups, that do right? it. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. But the only difference, think about it like this: Muay Thai is um, it's it's like kickboxing. It's more contact, person to person. Um, it's not like like hitting a bag like how we do it here. But the only difference is you could use elbows, elbows and knees. Elbows and knees. That's yeah. dangerous. If and, you guys watch some really good fights, like you'll see, it's like, and they're still humble. Like they go at it, but it's like right. It's still like when you watch how they train, they do something called technical sparring. It's something we incorporate here. So technical sparring is where you go really light, really slow, but for like 20 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. So you're not just learning how to get out of the way and, and not get hit, but you're actually learning, let's say someone throws a technique, how to avoid it, how to counter it. So it's more of a learning process. Right. So, But it's, yeah. it's an amazing sport, and it's amazing tradition. Like, look it up. It's like there's so much history behind it. Yeah. yeah. And out of Thailand. Right? Yes, it's, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So um, so you've gotten your your training, mm-hmm. and you, of course, you, training never ends, right? I'm no, sure, I'm sure you're still training. Um, what made you decide that Oyster Bay was the kind of place that you'd set up shop? Uh, you know, it's you know, it's a it's an interesting town. It is. People, it's smaller than people realize. There's only it about sixty five hundred people that live here. So yeah. I'm interested in the thought process that goes into you know I'm starting a business um, in a town that right. businesses up and down the strip yeah. appear, disappear. It some does. of them faster than others. And yeah. so anybody that's been successful for seven years in Oyster Bay, I'm I'm curious, and I'm sure a lot of people listening are curious as yeah. to how you've made that work. So the how I got in, in, in Oyster Bay was um, I used to work at the place in Bethpage. That's how we're going. Ah, okay. So right. I was in Bethpage, and I was still going back and forth to Queens. And at the time, the person I was um, 
the the mentor, I guess, that we had, the main person that we had, he was like, you know, let's check out this place in Oyster Bay. I know it's far out of your area, and, you know, it, just take a look at it. You never know. And me at first, I was like, no, this is way too far. I'm already struggling with Bethpage going back and forth. Because I'm in, I'm, my, my parents, the original house I was at, was in Ozone Park. <laughs> so, like, that's a lot of driving. That's a lot of driving. And I was like, you know what? In my head, I was like, let me just take a look at it and then see what happens. And honestly, Mark, I came in. It was just something about the vibe and the feel. And I walked in. And I was like, I really like this place. I had a good feeling. I didn't check out the history. I didn't really look at the other businesses, how they would fail. It was just at that point in time, it was like I had a good feeling. About the town itself? The ba- yeah, yeah, about the town itself and just about the place. And just it was just such a good vibe. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And from then on, I never looked back. Wow. But one of the things that I would say in general, when you – not even business. When you want to do something, like if you have that fear and you constantly look at different things like fear and what could what could possibly happen or like all the negative things, it'll never go through. Like if I was, I, you know, if I was to go back and start looking at the history of the town or how the business are up and down, I would have never chose it. Right. But sometimes you got to keep those things out of your head. And if it feels right, yeah, just do it. Go with the gut. You got to go with the gut. Yeah. Your gut's never wrong. But that's how I got into Oyster Bay, and it's just been amazing ever since. I even lived here for a little bit, too. I moved in, um, I think, after two, three years because I, I couldn't drive anymore. I used to live actually like about a couple blocks down. Okay. Right before the turns. So right. I was at 155, and I stayed there for a little bit. And then now we're in uh, Huntington. Oh, you're in Huntington? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's been, been pretty good so far. So when you first walked into this place, uh-huh. it, it didn't look like it does now, no. does it? Because I remember seeing some pictures a few years ago. I think yeah. you put up on the Facebook page We're that was like, uh, it looks like you really did a lot of work on this place to get it to what it looks like now. It changed, and it's it's an ongoing process. And the vibe change also like the main thing was uh the mats were like gray and gray and i think gray and blue still gray w- and blue w- was this a karate school before was it was it was still both but it mainly looked like a karate school okay so the walls were white and then um the mats were gray and blue we had only like a couple chairs we had a uh, blue like a navy blue rug and then we had 10 bags out. I'll never forget that. We have like double now, but we had 10 bags out. And that was it. It was like a there was like a little office and it was it was just weird. It was like a little smaller. Now it's a little bit more open space because I always liked open space. Right. But I always look back and I remember like how far it's how far we've come since then. Everything's like considerably changed the vibe of the school changed now it's a little bit more friendly it's not like mm-hmm. strict 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 i mean you got to have strict but also to me just like anything else in life you have to have a balance no it has to be inviting for new people Absolutely. to come in I, i've walked into some schools over the years where it's sort of like you wonder if they even want you standing you know I, i've been there too but see yeah. that's that's the most if you if you really go to a lot of other schools that are like um like martial arts schools and stuff like that it's it's that's what you're gonna feel it's sometimes you're gonna feel like it's not inviting the staff is not inviting i've been to schools like that so when i opened up my business uh, the first thing i was like how am i going to be a little bit better mm-hmm. how am i going to change things so that when someone walks in that they want to be here like how am i going to be inviting and it starts with just the person the leader right if i'm not a you know an open person and and if i'm not like an inviting person or if i don't have a great personality number one i can't teach that to my staff and then they can't teach that to the students so nobody feels that way so me like since i felt so great about this place it was easy I just, it was just like i just fit right in mm-hmm. and i was just like okay i feel comfortable feel just like at home and 
just everyone. I, I know everyone that comes in. I know them first name, last name. I know a little bit about them. Like I know my members. And sometimes they'll come in here like after a couple of years and I'll call them right out. I'm like, how you been? And I'll call, I'll say first name, last name. And they'll, they'll look on their first yeah. face mark. <laughs> like it's the best thing. Like one thing I've always learned is know your members, grow your members. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's been so far. Well, and you have a lot of people that have, that have been here since the beginning, don't you? It's been, <laughs> I have a lot of them and I still, I, I still, still reach out to a lot of them. I know life has gotten away with a lot of them, but I make it a point to still reach out because one of the biggest philosophies too of this school is that your friendship will mean more to me than your membership ever will. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't come here to just grow a business. I came here to meet people, to change people's lives, to change the way people think about themselves. And that's the whole foundation of the business. Right. So when you have a business like that, it's not just about, Hey, I'm going to come into work. I really want to have an impact on the community. I want to give back to the community and I really want to help as much people as I can change their lives. And that's why we're here that long. Well, and you certainly uh, have done that. I mean, I, you know, you see some of these success stories that people, I just saw one put up, I think it was today. One of your, one of your members put something up saying that uh, he's, he'd had a very rough year personally and Mm -hmm. and in his business and so forth. And that this was the place that kind of kept his sanity. And that's, that's quite a, quite a uh, an alcade or accolade for yeah. for you um i'm humbled by it and he's very i remember too um his name is ned and he came in one day and he literally wanted to quit and he, he literally it was just like dude i was really gonna just quit and just tell you i was gonna give my cancellation and go and i, I had told one of the things i do at the end of the class that makes such a big difference too especially with the uh the kickboxing is they get a little bit motivational story at the end and i love stories because there's always something to learn from it and i was telling um you know one of the stories i don't remember exactly which one but he got it and it clicked and sometimes yes people come here for physical you know to 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 be better physical but like sometimes they need that that mental push also right so they need they need to be nurtured also like mentally i'm like you know okay listen i know things are tough but tough it out you could do this stop you know stop thinking you can't and like believe in yourself and i find that's where everything's going now it's not just about fitness and martial arts but about the confidence well right i mean in the mind plays such an important role in in how you see the world absolutely and, and i mean you know i'm a runner and i and i yep. run every day and i've run every day for years 25 30 years right and at some point you know and there are days where you don't want to go outside oh. you don't want to get your butt out there those and do it and you have it's to. exactly those are the times where it's most important it is. for your head at least you it know is. and never mind your body right i mean if you can if you can discipline yourself into showing up here at the 7 p.m class mm-hmm. or whatever every Absolutely. day then the benefits you're going to get out of that are are far and away more than uh, physical right absolutely yeah to be honest it's more mental it's more mental because your body will do what your mind tells it to do. And that's the way it is. Once you change your mindset, and this is anything in life, once you change your mindset, you can do anything you want. And once you realize that you overall are an amazing person and you're stronger than you think, you can tackle whatever life gives you. Sure. And that's that's the that's the underlying core values that I want them to understand. And they all know, like they all understand what my vision is. Like the kids, they know they have to get to that black belt, but not just because it's a belt, but it's the person they have to become in order to to get that belt around their waist. 
And with the kickboxing, it's not about their fitness goals. It's about conquering their fears and thinking, no, you know, rather than thinking, I can't do this, I can't do this. You know what? I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to try one more time. And honestly, that makes the difference. That one more time makes the difference with you either reaching your goal or not or just becoming successful or not. Mm-hmm. So it reaches beyond fitness. It's oh, more mind state. Very, mu- very much so, I would, I, would, so I would say. I mean, if you, if you have the discipline to come in here. And these workouts, you know, I've... I've you know, the, sometimes I'm here when the kickboxing workouts yeah. start when I'm still picking up my, my son from yeah. his class and people are sweating here. They're, it's, it's, not an, getting, it's not an easy, it's not an no. easy workout. The way burpees the kick, and whatnot. No, <laughs> nobody likes burpees. We tell them we always make fun too. We like burpees work every single muscle in your body, except the muscles that make you smile. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And they, they know, they know, and they hate them. I hate them too. Like mm-hmm. these are not exercises that I like, but I know I have to do them because I have to stay in shape. Right. Because I, I'm the leader. I have to make sure that I like what I ask my members and my instructors to do. I have to do myself. Well, that's the thing that you, you know, you don't realize or you don't think about really when you come to a class here and, and you see you're here and you're leading this class. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're doing this all day long. All day, yeah. I mean, don't you get a, aren't you exhausted at the end of the day? Mentally and physically, yes. And that's why it's so important. And just anything in general, whether it's fitness or not, you need that mental break. And sometimes, like, you know, I'll tell the guys, like, I'm, I'm here seven days a week, and it's... That honestly, was my next question. Do you ever get a day off? Do you ever some, take a day I off? I have, you know, <laughs> when I got into this, and I wanted to make this a lifestyle change, I knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. And I do have the option of taking days out every once in a while, and that's great. When I feel like it's too much, I will take a day off. If it's a lot, I'll tell the guys, I'm like, listen, guys, um, I'm going to take a, day, a couple days off just to clear my head, and I'll get right back into it. Mm-hmm. And they understand. They know because then I start getting a little bit you know, moody and stuff, and they know, listen, go home. <laughs> Bobby, take a day off. Take a day off because <laughs> they, they understand, but that's that's the great relationship I have with them. We have each other's backs, and they know when it's too much. They're like, we got this. We got this. You know, Go home, get some rest, and then you just take a couple days off. Um, I think in, in anything you do in life that you are going to get burnt out, whether you love it or not, but that's why it's so important to, you know, definitely relax, clear your head and not think about it. Like when I go home, I'm home with the family. Like I don't think about this. Mm -hmm. When I'm here though, my energy, my heart, my soul, everything goes into everything here. When it comes to teaching, when it comes to talking to the staff, training the staff, everything like that, I put everything I got. But like everything else in life, if you don't have the balance, then one starts to flow into you, and then right. it gets a little then crazy. You get, then you get problems. You That's know? when, yeah. yeah. And I learned that a little bit because you know this is my first business. So you know, at first when I first when I first opened up, and then you know I didn't know what I was doing as much. That's what happened. But right. that's how you learn from it. Afterwards, it's like okay, home is home, work is work. Right. So it seems like you have a, a staff that's pretty consistent here. It, is it hard to find good people it's, to teach? Because you know. It, it's it's funny, I, you know. I could interview a guy that owns a bagel store. And yeah. The bagel store guy, he doesn't have like a philosophy, right? Or maybe he does. Maybe he likes, you know, his philosophy is to make good bagels. But you know, a business like this is a little different, right? Because it is. because you're you're putting out a philosophy Absolutely. and, and uh, you're teaching a set of values. Absolutely. And so the people you want to hire yeah. uh, need to reflect those values. Absolutely. The hardest thing I would say is not finding the staff. I would say it's having the staff understand your vision now if you really think about it most of the staff i have are in their like let's say mid-20s brandon's 18 he's yeah, young i've side. known him since he was a kid though like that kid's been amazing i already knew from the time i saw him like he was going to do this for the rest of his life yeah. and he's literally came up to as me. an aside though i think a lot of times the kids 
identify with someone who's a little younger yep. rather than, you know, some Absolutely. Guy That's mo- why I let them teach. Right. Like I'll handle the higher class uh, the the older classes, but he handles the little ones. But back to the staffing, I wouldn't say like I said, I wouldn't say it's the hardest thing to to find it. It's just finding the staff that have the same values and the vision, but also like Around mid twenties, think about it. When we were in our mid twenties, we were trying to figure out who we wanted to be in life. Yes. So, like between the time I opened, even up to now, like staff has been. Changing. Yeah, there's been some turnover. I remember Absolutely. some of the earlier guys. You know. Absolutely. Uh, but it wasn't that they were bad. Like no. I still contact a lot of them, and I reach out to a lot of them. Matter of fact, like this is our seven year anniversary, so I'm gonna reach out to them and just tell them thank you for your contribution to you know where I'm at right now. Great. The thing is, when they're trying to find out where they want to be that's where i become more of a coach and less mm-hmm. of a boss right because now to me i want to make sure that they they are happy if it's not with me that's cool but just to have you know someone to guide them and point them in the right direction that's what they need and that's why sometimes with the turnover it's 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 a, it's sometimes it's crazy sometimes it's steady sometimes it's consistent but once they figure out and make the decision what they want to do like, like I said, I become more of a coach, less of a boss. Right. Because to me, it's like, I'm not going to have you stay here if you're not happy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have to go, like, go. Like, there's nothing. I'm not going to hold you back. I will help you, point you in the right direction. But, you know, I'm not going to keep you here if you don't want to be here. Yeah, right. Sure. But at the same time, when it comes to the members, and I always tell them this, you know, being an instructor is a privilege. Like, changing someone's life is a privilege. And my standards are very high. I have no problem, and they all know I give them the speech. I have no problem stepping on that floor and teaching all the classes because my members are my heart and soul, and I give 110% as much as possible when I step on that mat. Right. And if they cannot do the same, then I'm sorry, this is not for you. Mm -hmm. But to me, I have to look at the members. I'm like, these are the people's lives that I'll be changing. And if someone's not up to speed with that, or if that's not their vision, that's okay. If it's not, it's not. I'm not going to force you. But I'm not going to keep putting you on that floor if that's not something you want to do. And that's why, like, I have no problem, like, stepping on the mat most of the time to teach the classes. Mm-hmm. I'll do it if I have to. This is what I want to do. I've noticed a lot of your instructors, though, are particularly engaged with the kids. and, and They're awesome. I, I always wonder, like, how you find... Because there's a lot of people in their mid-20s that don't want anything to do with little kids, right? No, <laughs> no I've had a couple of those. I've had yeah. some scary stories. Yeah. But it's, it's you train them. So a lot of what they do and a lot of the teaching skills that they, um, they're learning to do with the kids, it's something that's trained. Like everything that we do here, there's a system behind it. And that's one of the most important things that you need in a business or even just in in life in general. You have to have a system. What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? What if this doesn't go through? So Always have a plan B. You have and to. And a plan C. All the way as much as possible. <laughs> right. Yeah, because you have to. And then what I find is that the most important thing I look for in instructors is their personality. Anything else I can teach them. Like most of the time, like some of the instructors I've had before, like had no experience in martial arts, but they were great with kids. Mm. Sometimes one of the things I've learned is no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather have an instructor there that cares about your kid and doesn't knows a little bit basics because you don't have to know like too much right away, but knows that, that, that cares about the kids and it shows. To me, as a parent, too, now speaking as a parent, not just as a business owner, 
if I have my child and she takes the program too, if I have somebody that interacts with her and takes the time just to show her or even just be a, a little bit of a friend to her, like a coach, to me that means more than her learning a new form or like a crazy kick and, or whatever it is, but just to care. Sure. And to me that means more. And that's I take pride in making sure that these instructors that I put – that's the type of mentality that they have, and that's the type of mentality they're going to maintain, maintain as well as grow. Mm. And that's what I'm pushing. So, is there overlap between the kickboxing instructors and the karate instructors? Because one thing I noticed um, from some of the kickboxing classes I've I've, I've sat in on or mm -hmm. watched is that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that mm -hmm. a couple of your instructors came up through the ranks of your kickboxing students. Yes, you know, and that's that's pretty interesting. I've um. Peter, actually, he teaches the karate, and he's about, I think, 15 or 16. Um, Grace also, Grace started with me when she was like 13 years old. Mm -hmm. She was a kickboxer. That was the minimum age we let them come in. And she started training, training, training. And then eventually, I gave her a position here just to help out with the paperwork in the front and stuff like that. And then once in a while, she'll jump in with the karate. But she is so loyal to this place. And Peter, Peter's a great kid. And you can tell right off the bat what type of personality they have. Peter used to come in every single day and train with the kickboxing. Wow. Every single day. And I was like. I think I'd be dead in a week. I mean, <laughs> well, when you, he's like 15, 16. So like. I, oh, I, you know, plenty of energy then. <laughs> exactly. So that's the thing. And you become more of a coach at that point. And I said, Peter, like do you work? Do you do anything else? He goes, no. I was like, would you like to? He goes, yeah. So <laughs> we came, <laughs> he came in one day for an interview and I sat down and I said, listen, this is what it is. This is how you grow because you always got to not just tell them, not just hire them, but you got to show them how they're going to grow within the, the ranks or grow within the company. And then by the time he's 18, I said, dude, 18, if you're sticking around, I'll give you a job with the kickboxing. So now he has something to look forward to, but look at it this way as well. Even as, if he doesn't plan to stay here for a while, like, He's working one-on-one -on -one with me. He's showing commitment. And on his resume, of course, I'll have like a great endorsement for whatever he needs. But think about how that's going to look as, right. as, as as commitment. And it's a lot of responsibility a lot, to yeah. be a, a teacher and to have all administrative duties and everything. And it, it's it, very it would hard. look great on a resume. Absolutely. I, I mean, karate, I mean, if you attain a black belt, I've, I've always thought of that sort of like, and not to minimize like the mm -hmm. work that goes into being an Eagle Scout, but it's Absolutely. it's a similar sort of progression, right? Because it mm -hmm. shows that you can put the time into something you and persevere through years of, of training to attain a goal. Absolutely. And it's a difficult goal to attain. I mean, black belts are not just handed out like candy. And no. <laughs> you know, I can tell you a little bit about um, the belts, and I can explain a little. Yeah, bit about... you know what? That would be that would be great. Yeah, because so, I mean, the whole belt system is, is always it's great to give kids something to attain in just small bites you mm -hmm. know and but but working towards a greater goal i don't want to steal your answer no but no no, uh, no 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 you you actually you're actually right and i'm gonna kind of like go a little bit more into detail so yeah. everyone understands like how the belt system works and how the stripe system works now the belt system and the stripe system is basically meant to teach them about goals now traditionally a black belt was just a dirty white belt. Right. We didn't have colors. It was just like, your belt's dirty. You must be really good. <laughs> so that's how it started. When they started to incorporate the belts and the stripes, it was more of like a goal set setting um, system. So basically, with the classes, every four classes, the kids get a stripe on their belt. The red stripe is when they get tested, and I fail them if they have they don't know their answers. Like if they don't know the if they don't know how to do the techniques properly or efficiently or proficiently, they don't understand it. I'm like, nope. Work on this, and then you go into the next cycle. Right. So that's the red stripe. So they have to earn it. Then you got, so you got the white, you got the yellow, 
You got the orange, you got the blue, the green, two purples, three browns, a temporary black belt, and then the black, the the real black belt, and that gets shipped in straight from Japan. Mm. It's uh, it, you, uh, it, it, you'll have your name on it, one gold bar, and it'll have the name of the school. And once you have that belt, like you have the respect of yeah. pretty much the whole school. Have you have you how many black belts do you have that, that right have gone now, through your whole? Your whole program. Um, we've been here seven years. So we have um, Brett is one. He's full black. Um, Sophie. Sophie's full black also. I, I remember when we first moved here, she was like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That I don't girl, know how old let she me was, tell like you, seven or eight or I something. Will, yeah. She was, yeah, around seven. Yeah. I'll never stop like speaking highly of her because where she came from to where she is now is such a different person. Yeah. She used to get on that floor, and whenever we used to do, tell her to do something – and she didn't know how to do it. She would literally cry and run off that floor. <laughs> now she steps on that vl- that floor like she puts the boys in check. Nobody wants to spar with her because they know they have to work hard. <laughs> and she has the confidence now, which is something like so important. She has the confidence to like whatever she wants to do, she'll do. Now, Senpai Brett was exactly the same way, physically talented. He started around the same age and he quit everything else. But he stuck with karate because, number one, he's got a stubborn mother. Like, she was like, nope, you are not leaving. You are going to get your black belt. <laughs> That's great. And you're going to stick it out. After that, you could do whatever you want. And she pushed him because there was points where we had a crazy turnover at one point, And he was very um, into one of the instructors. He really, really looked up to him. And once that instructor left, like, he kind of, like, just got disheartened. Mm-hmm. Normal any kid does. And, you know, but he toughed it out. And he got his black belt. And this is the part that surprised me. Once he got his black belt. He stopped this for a little bit, and I let him stop for for that for one reason. Everything that he quit, he went back, and he started doing it to finish it. Like, huh, think about that: a fifteen-year-old kid with that type of mentality, Mark. Like, yeah, you don't see that very often. You don't even see that from some adults. Like, yeah, to be honest, like for sure. to have. Th- but think about this long term now. Like going forward, imagine the values he's gonna have. As he becomes an adult, as he gets like a real job, like as he, you know, has a family, those are values that are going to stay with him for the rest of his life. Yeah. And that's that's what martial arts is all about. Right. Very true. Mm-hmm. So do you um, do you teach any uh, anything with respect to nutrition here in terms of what people should or shouldn't be eating? Yes. Um, because that's, you know, I, they always say you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet. No, so, you can't. You no, know, everyone has that, that mentality, in, too. Out, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, everyone, it's the mindset also with nutrition. Nutrition plays such a big part in what you do. I would say reaching your fitness goals is 80% nutrition. Mm-hmm. 80%. So we have, um, we started this about... I think a couple of months ago, I started with this really good company. And basically what they do is for the kickboxing, and I'm trying to do it for the kids. For the kickboxing, it's a six-week body transformation challenge. Now, you get a customized meal plan specifically to your weight class. Oh, really? And you literally get a grocery list. You get everything. And, and literally you plan out your meals day by day for six weeks. And you get account, you get you get held accountable to it, so you get weighed in like every Saturday, Sunday. Ooh, scary! That's but see, that's the <laughs> accountability that everybody needs. Sometimes right. you need that person to be like, "Get off your butt, let's go. It's time to get to work." But you get um, weighed in every uh, every Saturday or Sunday, and what happens is after that six weeks, you're guaranteed to guaranteed to lose at least 25, 20 pounds, twenty to twenty five pounds, or six percent body fat. 
provided you follow it. So you're held accountable. You've got the answers right there. All you got to do is follow it. Plus, you get into you get put into a very strict support group. So basically, every night you have to take a picture of the meals that you do. <laughs> that so is accountability. That's accountability. But I tell you, like, you know who was actually in it? The owner of uh, Spinnakers. Oh, no kidding. He's in here. He, I cannot begin to tell you. He started here. So he's not eating in the, in his kitchen. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever he's doing, he's he's doing it. But he went from 315 to 276. Wow. That's pretty good. And that how long? Is, He's. This is about. I think he's on eight weeks now because he kept doing it. Right. He wants his goal is like literally to try it for the whole year to see how much he can get down. And so far, like he impresses me. Like he's always. A, he's, he's been a great guy ever since I known him. But I get a chance to really watch him work out, and he got so much heart. Hmm. So much heart. Like all of his clothes. I keep telling him, I'm like, Damien, you need to buy new clothes. They're looking too big now. And he laughs. That's a good problem to have. <laughs> it is. I told him. I was like, <laughs> but it's so funny. And like, it, it, he'll look at me. He'll laugh, and he knows. But. To have that type of transformation, you need that accountability. If you think there's a shortcut, there is no shortcut. No, there aren't any You've got to be willing to put in the work. you got to be willing to to put in the time. But at least you'll know that, like especially with us here, that we'll be here to have your back. We'll be there side by side with you. Sometimes I jump into class with the guys, and I'm like, listen, this is not easy for me too. I'll stick my middle finger up every once in a while to the instructor. Like I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go, but I'll suffer like you guys, but I'll do the work. Right. I'm going to be in there with you. And I think once they realize that, you know, this person is not just a person that just talks, but it's there. He, he's there to kind of like be with me side by side. I think that makes the biggest difference. I could tell you to do whatever I want, but if you don't believe that I could do it as well or I, I'm not going to have your back or I'm not going to be with you there side by side, you lose that support. All right. Absolutely. And once you don't have that support, then it's like, all right, then why am I doing this? Right. It's the support that makes a big difference. So I'm I'm intrigued by that uh, that diet plan. Is there is mm -hmm. it specifically like a is it like a ketogenic plan? Is it a no. vegan plan? Is it just they sound nutritional those... principles? Here's here's the thing about diet. Now this is my opinion. Certain diets, what happens is you go on a diet and once you stop, you just gain the weight all back. What this is different, what, what separates this is that it's more of just regular eating in moderation. Mm -hmm. So basically, you have, let's say, proteins, carbs, fats, uh, veggies, basically, four groups. So you have breakfast, shake, lunch, shake, dinner. Right. That's it. And then water, which plays a very more, uh, important part. So for you guys that are listening, um, water is I would say one of the, 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 the biggest things you need to worry about because not number one, not everyone drinks water and not everyone knows how much water to drink. The general rule is like half your weight in ounces per day. Half your weight in ounces per, per day. Per day. Okay. That's a lot of water. That is a lot of water. Yeah. Uh huh. But think about it, who does that? Mm. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> who, who does that? I mean, like, I don't do that. I mean, I, I, I'll sit and drink <laughs> coffee all day because you got to really like. Well, can you count that as water or no? No. <laughs> no. It's actually, you, you actually, you have to drink more water if you drink a lot of coffee because it kind of like, you know, it, it, you have to definitely put some more water in your system if you have a lot of coffee during the day. But like little things like that, just the water, because everyone thinks that it's like a crazy, uh, like crazy diet. It starts with the simple stuff. Let's say water starting out. Half of your weight in ounces per day. Start with that. 
then have a certain amount of protein, like a you know protein shake, but also have a balanced meal for lunch and then for uh, for breakfast and lunch, and then a shake in between. So they they give you cravings. the they give you the macros, and you have to figure out how to do that, or they just say eat this for breakfast, pre- yeah. eat this for lunch. It basically is. It basically is. Uh, it's a recipe book. It's a grocery list. It's accountability where you put everything and you check it off. So day by day, you have the paper and you literally check off uh, everything so that you know, all right, let's say Monday, check, check, Mm. check, breakfast, check, lunch, check, dinner, check, two shakes, check. And then the water bottles, it literally has where you can just make an X on it. So now every day, day by day, you literally check it off so that you you get closer towards your goal. Well, it doesn't get much easier than that unless they're cutting up the food and putting it in your mouth for you <laughs> yeah, at that point it's like i don't know <laughs> if, you need, if you need that much help then you're probably a lost yeah, cause you know? it, it's just at that point though but you're learning how to do everything yourself so you're not number one you're not depending on me you're not depending on anything else you're not buying anything else you're literally learning how to do that yourself and right. like you know that's the most important thing you don't want to keep going to different places to like buy this buy that buy this from these people that you have no idea what type of credibility they have right like our credibility is that it works mm-hmm. like we have the results i can show you you can check it out like it's all over facebook if it works do it yeah why not yeah right as long as that you get the results it works do it i mean people have to kind of want to change though right before they'll change i mean you can you I always lead a horse to water. I was literally right. just going to say that. I was literally, my mom always tells me yeah. that. But see, there's, there's another part to, to that story too. I believe you, sometimes you, you could do it that way, but if the horse doesn't go to the water, you put salt in his oats. <laughs> so now go. sometimes you got to like put a little fire underneath them so that way they see. I think people, want, they, they do want to make a change, but I think some of them, and I know how frustrated I was when it came to nutrition because I've always worked out. But then I hit 40 last year, the year before. I forgot. I stopped counting. And then it changes when you get a little older. Yes. So nutrition plays such more of an important part. And I got so frustrated. I was like, all right, what am I doing wrong? Why is this not working anymore? So now I had to learn more about nutrition to be able to do that. I think sometimes the biggest challenge is that people don't know what to do. Like they want to do it, but they don't know how to do it. And that's what we have. Or they get paralyzed by by um the variety you know they on one it's side of much. their on one side of their their head they're hearing uh yeah. don't eat carbs yeah. on the other hand they're saying don't eat don't eat meat uh, so so with with all of that information swirling around right. there how are you even supposed to make a decision the you know? best thing and this is what works i had i've had this one instructor mike mike french he's been with me here for a long time since 2013 this kid like i will always talk great about him he started here He's 20 years old, and he weighed like 347 pounds at 20 years old, Mark. Wow. And he lost about over 180 pounds in two years. Let me tell you what he did. Moderation. Yeah. Moderation. When it comes down to it, moderation. What does that mean, though, moderation? Because does that mean like eat one slice of pizza instead of three? Starting out if you you have to, yeah. (laughs) I mean, listen, that's how he did it. He was like he went from three cheeseburgers to two cheeseburgers to one to zero. Like – you have to have a balanced meal, and there's different, like there's the keto diet. They're all great diets, but that's catered towards lifestyles. If that's what you want, right. then you can go to that. They're, they're all, they'll work, but you have to find out the right type of diet for your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't want to cut carbs, like I love pasta. Like I go home, sometimes I'm, I get home late, and I'm like, 
No, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. All right, too late. Well, if you're an athlete, you could probably eat more carbs than you can you if, you're, if you're more sedentary. But, it, but yeah, yes. if it comes down to your lifestyle, then that's that's good. But when it comes down to it, it's moderation. It's just having a, a certain amount per, I guess, so per... portion control is a big part of it. That's the thing. Right? It's not so right. much what you're putting in there. It's how much you're putting exactly, in there. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, like, you can have a little bit of carbs. You can have that protein. You can have... I mean... To me, like I also, and another big thing is you gotta have a cheat day. Like mentally, mm-hmm. my cheat day is Saturday. From the time I wake up to like lunchtime, I have whatever I want. <laughs> Donuts for breakfast. I'm telling you, <laughs> the jelly and then the, the the Boston cream, they go great together. I'm yeah. telling you. But like, I'll have that cheat day because you need that mental like that break. Right. right. Because then you're gonna, it comes down to it again. You'll burn yourself out. Well, you're supposed happens. to enjoy life, right? You have Not, to. It's just, it can't be just all to. grinding discipline. And no, <laughs> you can't. I mean, it's great if you do. It's you know more props to you. But me, I've always believed in balance. You mm-hmm. have to have that balance. So for so, for those guys that you know want to learn more about moderation, then you can always reach out and um, like one of the things too that I that I do here is this place is not just a place where you work out; it's a resource. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly giving out content. I'm constantly giving out information. And then, like I said, if anyone needs questions, like I'm always here. Like people come in that right. haven't been here in a while, and they first of all they sit. That's what these couches are for, actually. They spend more time <laughs> talking to me than anything else. Yeah. But they use this as a resource. The same thing with the parents. I spend more time. Uh, teaching the parents like more about the martial arts, what it is, because everyone thinks it's kicking and punching. That is the, the total opposite. No, I mean I'm looking at your wall over there, and you have uh, uh, the the sayings that the you guys Kuhn, say. Yes, yeah, they, you say them every. The Absolutely. kids say them every single time yep. that a class concludes. The parents uh, love the last one to control bad. To temper. control bad, that's one they of my love. favorites. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they love that one because it's hard. It's you know, kids they they let out that frustration every once in a while, and it's okay. You just have to teach them, you know, what to do when that happens. Let's say you know they get angry. We start teaching them. All right, take a couple deep breaths. That's a general rule. Take a couple deep breaths, breathe, relax, and don't just react right away. So they're learning so much stuff from the program itself, and also like how we tell stories at the end for the kickboxing. We have like like stories that we tell they love when we tell stories too mm-hmm. at the end of the class about perseverance about dedication now think about this you know all these kids special specifically these kids at that age their heads their brains are like sponges and the more positivity you put in there like as they get older it, it comes into play it does these are all lessons that they're learning karate everyone thinks it's easy it's hard and I make it hard on purpose because life is not easy. Right. So you have to slowly start to teach them, okay, this is going to be tough. What do you do when this gets tough? You push through. What happens You know, when you feel like you could do only five push-ups? You go for one more. Mm-hmm. But it's that one that makes a difference. And that's what they start learning at a young age. And I'll talk briefly a little bit about the, the karate program in terms of like how we speak to them. Yes. So... Some places, what they do is you literally, um, you know, they, they start talking a little rough. I've had some uh, um, parents tell me a little bit of experience about some other places. Let me tell you how we work with the kids. Once they first come in, there's a certain way we speak to them as they come in. I'm like, hey, Tim, this is good. You know, this fix this, fix that. As they start to get higher in rank, we start demanding more. And when we start demanding more, we start speaking them to di- like on a different level. Like once they get to, let's say, purple brown belt, then it's like, let's go. What's taking so long? You guys are slacking. Come on, go. Buy black belts. Like if they don't know what to do at that point in time, like 20 burpees. <laughs> you got to <laughs> right. constantly keep these kids under pressure because what happens is they get complacent. 
When they get complacent, they get lazy. Even a black belt, that's not done. There's degrees of black belt. Right. And if they are allowed at that point, at that high level, to get complacent and get lazy, guess what's going to happen to the lower belts? Now they get to see, like, oh, he could do that. I could do that. Yeah, it all runs down. It all runs down. So now they're learning leadership. Mm Mm-hmm. They learn how to be role models like Sophie and Brett. They all know like they know when they get on that floor, it's time to perform like there's no being lazy. Like they've done their black belt tests and they've all cried with that, that test because they've they've pushed. So that after that, they know what's expected them expected of them when they take the class. That's why they're leaders of the line. That's why sometimes they're on their own line because right. they're set apart and they understand that everyone is watching. All eyes are on them. So they have to maintain that. Now think about that as they get older, they get into a supervisor position, a management position, or even, you know, something even higher. Right. That place yeah, so, translates. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because there is sort of a difference. There's a difference and there's similarities between, uh, you know, performing in a team sport and mm-hmm. performing in a, in a more individual sport like yes. karate. Even though you know, you're training with other people, your, your development is, is really individual. Individual. Yes. Right. And and I think there's a place for both, right? I mean, you know, team sports, you learn collaboration, cooperation, Absolutely. all that. And but I but I think uh, it's it's great if kids have exposure to both, uh, working with a team and then working on themselves because Absolutely. you can get lost in a team. You know, if you're you on a if you're on a soccer team and and you're not one of the superstars, mm-hmm. you know, you end up kind of just kind of you know spinning your wheels out there and you do. and so on. And it that's why I think it's it's great to have individual focus that you get in a, in a sport like karate or even something like running or you know any, any, anything where you have to really dig deep and and, and come up See, with stuff yourself. The way I look at it, and I love team sports, and I I I this is one of these things that I don't encourage. I don't. I'm not a person that'll say this is better than a team sport or a team sport's better. I think it 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 literally is. It helps each other out. Because if you're going to be a part of a team, you got to know what your specialty is. Like, mm-hmm. let's say if you're a good kicker, you know, like you're good at moving around, you have a good, like, uh, you know, maneuverability or you're good at agility and you're playing soccer, you know a better position you can play. Or let's say, you know, like in uh, basketball, like if you got some good legs and you know how to jump really high, whew, those jump shots are going to be great. And that's what karate, I guess, helps them to do because it is, they're working together. But it's also developing themselves individually to figure out who they really are, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. So let's say, you know, they're good at punching but not kicking, right? right. Or they're good at kicking and not punching. That's that. You're a good runner. You're good with your legs. You know, if you're gonna play soccer, you're gonna dominate it because you can move really good. Mm-hmm. So they find their strength, and once they find their strength, then in a team, think about that. If that person knows, yes, I'm really good at this. They know their place in the team rather than just, I'm just a part of the team. Right. I know my specialty when it comes to the team. That's the difference. And a lot of these kids, I encourage them, take a lot of other sports because I know if you learn this as a foundation, it's going to help you dominate it. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll learn to work as a team together because now, like here, they have the goal to be a black belt. When they're working with a team, all right, guys, we got the goal. Let's do this, this, this. It's, it's a different mindset. And they become more of not just a player, but they understand, you know, what their specialty is, and they become more of a leader in the team. Mm-hmm. And it all comes down to that. Like one of our, you know, philosophies is just, you know, strong leaders, better families. Right. And that's what we want, because then everybody's happy after that. Right. Well, I mean, kids that have the confidence uh, in themselves Absolutely. are, are – you can see it in, 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 the, 
you know, and the kids that lack that, you know, you see that too. Mm-hmm. So. To see the change, though, that's that's I think that gives me the most pride, and also that inspires me to continue to do what I do because it's easy to teach a student that's talented. Like to to be honest with you, it frustrates it frustrates me sometimes when they're talented. Like Senpai Brandon, mm-hmm. he's talented. I tell him I hate him all the time. I'm like, dude, I hate you. Like, because it's comes it's, easy. Yeah, it comes easy. Like I've always worked hard. Right. Like I've never been talented. I just kept working hard. I just kept working, 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 working hard. And that's how I got to where I got physically, you know, technically and stuff like that because I, it was just so hard to see a child go from like literally not being talented talented. But to push as hard as they can and see when they can, like when they finally get something, Mark, mm-hmm. the look on their face of that four-year-old or five-year-old is amazing. Yes. It's like, oh my goodness, nothing else matters but this moment. And I guarantee that that's that moment that will just literally shape a lot of things that they're going to do in the future. Right. To me, that's that, that inspires me. That's what makes it worth it. That's what makes right? it worth it. Because that's what it's all about, to take someone that doesn't think they can do anything and show them you're wrong, you can do something. Do it this way and give it a shot. That's amazing to see the look on their face. And their parents, I've had parents like literally cry when they see that because they came in, they were like, oh, my child couldn't do this, couldn't do that. And now it's like a total different person. Sure. It's amazing. That is amazing. That's what inspires me, Mark. That's what makes me come in day in, day out, seven days a week, and just to love what I do. Because I didn't come into this because of the business. I came into this to change lives. And that's what I'm going to do for as long as I can possibly do it. And that is what you're doing. Uh, just take a look at time here. Yeah, got about 55 minutes. So, yes. Uh, if, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Um, so if somebody wanted to get in contact with you or or either on the kickboxing side or have their kid come in maybe for karate class, how would they go about doing that? Um, I can always, uh, you know, the website is always good. Um, I can... Uh, what is what is the website? The website is, is uh, for now, we didn't make the complete switch over. Is it in the, transition right yeah. now? Yeah, so so, but it is still oysterbaykarate.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ilovekickboxing.com, and they can do that either way. What I always say is come in. I'm always there by the front desk. I love to meet the people. I love to sit down and have them, you know, ask questions. Like before you do anything, ask questions. Like before I take my child to something, like I want to make sure I know all about it. And me, I'm an open book. Like they come in, I'll sit down and I'll discuss it. I'll explain how the program works. I'll explain what they're going to get. I'll explain the whole journey. What's the best time for somebody to come in? Me? I'm usually here. I'm here all the time. (laughs) I'm here. Literally, literally, I come in here about, um, I'm here like around 930 in the morning. And I stay here until like 12, 1 o'clock. And then I'll leave, go home, get something to eat, come back about 3, 30, 4 o'clock. And I stay here sometimes as late as 9, 9.30 p.m. Wow. Yeah. Talk about dedication and it commitment. Is. <laughs> it is. But that's why my standards are so high. And that's why my standards for my members are so high. And that's why they stick around. The average member here, to be honest, stays for three years. Yeah. The average member stays for three years. If you put... Um, on Facebook, whether it's a kickboxing or the karate, how long they've been here, you'd be surprised. And that's because of that standard. And there is a Facebook page people can find you on. I'll post the link to that in the show notes. They can either do my personal page, which is also great, and they can always ask me questions. Like They're welcome to come in and ask also. I'm always here. Um, Or they can go to any one of the Facebook pages, uh, either the kickboxing, Dale of Kickboxing Oyster Bay page, or what is called now is the Karate Academy of Oyster Bay. Okay. So either one, you know, someone's always here. I'm always here. 
Um, and then once they call here, it's um, I can leave the number. Is that okay? Sure. It's 516-802-3400. And then if, you, if I'm not here, there is also, um, when you uh, hear the message, it's also going to be um, a message where it's going to tell you my cell phone number too. So that way you can contact me, uh, text me through cell phone because I'm always there. Fantastic. So you have all those resources, even if you don't want to take classes, but just to understand a little bit more about martial arts or even about fitness and nutrition. Right. Like you don't have to be a member here to like get the benefits. Like if you need help, reach out. Well, that's very that's generous. Why I, that's why I'm in this community. I constantly give back. And I think Tony Robbins I actually learned from, he said two things. He goes, you know, business is, you know, you got to give more than you get. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being in a business, that's what I want to do. I want to give back to the community. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for seven years. I'm very humbled at seven years. But to me, I don't think that's it. I want to push the envelope a little bit more. Like, what else can I do? Well, how much more can I give to the community back? And that's what I'm constantly, constantly working on. And the best I can do is my experience and my time and what I've learned. I've learned from the best. I learned from Tony Robbins. I've learned from Dave Ramsey. And this is also what the kids are getting out of it. That's a perk. We didn't talk about Sean Stevenson. I don't know oh, if we have time. But that, 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 is that is something else. Uh, he is an amazing person. Yeah, Let me the, tell you. For those of you that, that don't know, Sean Stevenson, and you can check him out on Facebook, he was a guy who was born with severe birth defects. Yes. And he's he's maybe like three foot tall yep. and confined to a wheelchair. And uh, and yet he's one of the most positive oh, my um, goodness. people that I, I have ever encountered. And uh, he has a con uh, consulting business and yep. he uh, has, is a therapist. And he also is a motivational speaker. He goes around sharing his life story, how, you know, you think you have problems. Yeah. You take a look at Sean Stevenson and you realize your problems pale in significance to this guy's Absolutely. challenges that he's dealt with and oh he's managed goodness. to rise above. So it's, uh, it's really something else. You know, when I first met him, I literally, you know, you know, they say you shouldn't judge. And I was, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, yeah, this is not going to be good. This is yeah. probably going to be boring. And I'm like, I literally ate those words hard. Yeah. Yep. He was so electrifying that room. Like my staff member, I took, I remember taking one of my staff members with me there. And Mark, when I tell you I was ready, to, I was on the verge of tears. Mm -hmm. Like the only reason I was holding it back because my staff member was there. I would have been bawling. <laughs> but the main thing and what I got from Sean Stevenson was that it's that fear. You know, everybody gets held back by that fear. What do people think? How am I going to look like? Right. Once you get that out of your head, you can do anything you want. But yet it's something that holds people back sometimes even for the rest of their life. Yeah. And but, it's it's insidious because it's it's really if you if you look at yourself, the, the, the things that you end up not doing nine times out of 10 there's fear somewhere in there it's right? always fear it's always fear now think about it everyone has that that bucket list right? right you know how many things if you're you know listening to this right now like how many things have you held back from not doing because of that fear or how you look like i believe you have like i know you have one life to live you're gonna spend that rest of your life worrying about other people what right. they care when that has absolutely no impact on anything you know and the other thing is, you know, you're, people are always so worried about what other people think about them. And really, most people don't think about you at all. No. <laughs> that's the other thing. But if, you know, that's the thing. Think about it. Everyone's thinking of the same me. thing so right. that you're thinking. Is, uh, so it's like, all right, so to, if, I'm, if me, I have the same fear um, and then other people have the same fear, then is it really a fear? Right. 
but uh, we spend Bethpage so much in, time uh, Port in Washington. our own heads. The people I strive it's, to be with, it's especially unreal that, like, of the it's unreal the, the things country, that we let escape. I need to be a better right. version like, of myself. How many things have you wanted to do that the minus you, know, you still have that fear and that you know you didn't get to you. do it? So like I have you my know, instructors. I got scary by example. You got to get out of your head and into your life. This is one of the biggest I think I tell them to do. I do myself as a business owner that might help and you're equal to. Is someone that's on the same level that you are, right. has the same goal. And I think, and I learned this from one of a uh, Tony Robbins seminar also. And once you have that, it helps you a little bit move forward. So just remember that it's the plus, the minus, and the equal to. And okay. that, that helps a lot with, right. with your just goals, goals in general. Because if you try to do it by yourself, yes, it's attainable. But sometimes you need that support. So whatever it is, plus, minus, equal to. It'll okay. get you really, really far. Fantastic. Absolutely. All right, Bobby, I think we uh, got coming up on the hour mark, so I don't want to uh, overwhelm people with too much information. <laughs> but uh, I, thanks again for sitting down, and I, I think I think people are going to get a lot out of this. I hope I so. I know I did. That's awesome. And uh, I'll post the links to the location, the phone number, That'd websites awesome. on the uh, show notes. And for those of you, if you're not familiar where the where the physical location of the school is, it's it's right in the shopping center near the Teddy Roosevelt statue when you're coming into town. What, what's the physical address, Steve? It's uh, 27 Berry Hill Road. 27 Berry Hill Road. Yes. All right. Thank you, folks. And uh, we will see you uh, next week. Thanks, Bobby. Anytime. All right. What'd you guys think of that? It's a long conversation, but there was a lot of good information in there. Bobby's a great guy to talk to, and I appreciate him giving his time. Uh, if you own a business in Oyster Bay and you want uh, to be interviewed for the podcast, drop me an email at mark at oysterbayarena.com, or you can uh, send me a PM on the Facebook page, which is if you search for Oyster Bay Arena, you'll find us there. Um Check the show notes for links to Bobby's school, to Sean Stevenson, and anything else I can think of that we talked about. And uh, hopefully I'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Oyster Bay Arena. Be cool, Oyster Bay. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.